Today on Casually Hardcore, Civil Weekend is upon us. I got the blues, brothers. Comic-Con becoming more about comics again. More punishment, baby. Mars X, uh, the Space Mars, or whatever. It's cool. Hulu to become the TV that it replaced. Agents of shit, this may have actually gotten good. All of this and more on this episode of Casually Hardcore. The following presentation is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike Non-Commercial License. For more information on Creative Commons licensing, please visit www.creativecommons.org. Panic, ladies and gentlemen, the casuals have taken control of the airways. This is Casually Hardcore Live on AlphaGeekRadio.com. For Thursday, the Cinco de Mayo 2016, this is Casually Hardcore, and I am Gnome Wise. And I'm Grail. Welcome to the show. The ladies are not with us because they got to work really freaking early in the morning. Holy crap. What did you say Daxa had to be to work at 1 a.m.? Yeah, so she has to get up in like three and a half hours, <laughs> which is terrible. Damn. Um, yeah. Who who did she piss off at work? No, no. It's, it's more uh, she's being nice. So one of her folks who works stock who have to be there very early... Uh, is getting married, so she said ah. she'd cover for them. So she's doing a solid. Yes. This is a happy and good thing, but tell yep. her we miss her. Yep, yep. All right, so time for your weekly dose of whatever the hell it is that we actually do here. Uh, yeah. Nerdy goodness, um, pop culture awareness day, I don't know. Um, uh, we've gone through May the 4th. Yes, May the 4th you. be with you was yesterday. And now we're at Cinco de Mayo, which is the Mexican holiday that Mexicans don't celebrate. Right. <laughs> so Celebrating the expulsion of the French. Yay. Lovely. And drink a Corona and a margarita. Yeah, pretty much. Well, I'm drinking a Samuel Adams right now, and I had a weird thought about this. So <laughs> Sam Adams was kind of the first, I guess, microbrew that I would say has got, got big. Like they kind of pioneered, I think, a lot of the mainstream of yeah. They, they leveraged beer. the the microbrew movement into a an, a national yeah brand. So they became a national brand. But the funny thing is, is they kind of painted themselves in a corner where, for mainstream beer drinkers, they're too like microbrewish, and so I think that hurts them. And then for the microbrew people, they're too mainstream. So damned if you do, damned if you yeah, don't. Yeah, like I, you know, and I see them kind of trying to get even, like reinvent themselves as more microbrew with like their nitro stuff. Mm -hmm. But it's you know, it's it's kind of funny that they're the ones that kind of ex made this or spearheaded the explosion of microbrews, and now I think they're kind of in a bad place because they, I mean, who's their audience? Who is your daddy, and where does yeah. he buy his beer? 
Mm-hmm. Well, for further developments on the um, frosty beverage front, check yes. out Pint of No Return on this very network on this very day. They are, they aired about an hour and a half before we do. Ah. Yes, on, the, on, on this very channel, actually, Channel 3. Cool. Um, they're all about uh, homebrew and uh, microbrew, just the, the glory of nerds and beer, mm. which they should intersect as often as possible, in my yeah. opinion. Um, no I, doubt. myself, am drinking a fine vintage uh, Grape Crush. Woohoo! Only because I can't get Cherry Crush. And actually, I, I have a bit of a rant. You, had your, you got to talk about Sam Adams. I'm going to talk mm-hmm. about Crush. Um, apparently recently acquired by Dr. Pepper Beverage uh, Conglomerate. Right. So... Growing up, my one of my very most favorite sodas was just cherry soda. Okay. Then I moved west of the Mississippi, where right. apparently cherry soda just ain't a thing. The closest I can get is cherry Seven Up, which is really kind of, yeah. I mean, well, they make like black cherry soda. Right. I'm, and I'm, yeah. I'm not talking about black. Black cherry okay. soda is its own thing. Right. This is just cherry soda. Bright red color not found in nature. Ah. And sickly sweet, overly um, fructose-infused cherry beverage. Diabetes in a can. Diabetes in, in red elixir form. Nice. So Cherry Crush became my go-to beverage. And apparently, it is one of the few sodas I've ever come across where you go to their website and it's listed as seasonal. Oh, really? What huh. the hell? This was the, that was how they listed it before Dr. Pepper took over and changed the website. Now it's just listed as one of the available flavors. Ah. Year-round, you can get Crush Strawberry. Right. Which is an affront before God. <laughs> it is one of the most uh, heave-inducing, disgusting flavors I have ever encountered in a soda. Hmm. And it's a total crapshoot as to whether you're going to find Cherry Crush at all, and also what stores. So far, I've found it only in two chains locally, Bashes, which is a regional Arizona chain, and Food City. Spatula City, Spatula City. Yeah. What better way to say I love you than with a spatula from Spatula City? And I actually contacted their little, you know, know, click here to send us a form email thing and said, hi, I really love crushed cherry. I'm wondering where the hell I can get it. And they gave me this kind of this canned response of, here's the number of stores within, you know, 50 miles of your... Uh, zip code right. that have carried this before. And so a list of stores that, to a store, do not have it on their shelves. Nice. So there's clearly some weird disconnect between distribution and customer support. Have you tried, like, BevMo? Hmm, not BevMo. I've done uh, Total Wine, which has a pretty replete soda yeah. section as well. Um, I'll give BevMo a shot. Um, it's just been weirdly, bizarrely hard to find to the point where when we do find it in those weird occasions at Bashes, we buy like 
24 cases of it uh, and shove it under the stairs and, and it lasts you know six months or so but then I'm, I'm in I'm in the drought of wow. cherry crush I'm merely subsisting on on orange and grape crush which is a poor pale substitute welcome to casually hardcore where we discuss our beverage fetishes 24 yeah, 7 no 365 yep uh, so right. outside done, of that done uh, and and actually, outside of our uh, segment topics, the other kind of big news that in the gaming world is uh, Overwatch went into open beta this weekend. Yes, I'm kind of avoiding it. It's it was fun. I, I mean, it's, I have it's, played it. I played it at BlizzCon. Yeah, I played it, it during the last weekend open beta. The reason mm-hmm. I'm avoiding it is because it's going to eat my soul. Oh. It's so damn good. It's yeah. I mean, it's it's Team Fortress esque. Yeah, uh, it's just Team Fortress meets the twenty first century. Yeah, yeah. But it's it was cute, and it has the the progression system of like Heroes of the Storm. So it's I mean, it doesn't need uh, a nice job. Uh, it's definitely something I could see. You know, as I kind of like, eh, I don't know what to do. Let me toss this in and play some. For me, mm-hmm. I'm, I don't know that I would be super duper addicted to it. But. No, this one has the has the potential to really suck me in. I think. Mm. Um, Torbjorn is my spirit animal. Oh, okay. And so, so when we're not playing defense, I'm not all that invested. Right. You get me playing defense, and I am all about the turrets. I am all yeah. about Torbjorn. Um, it's. I really, really like it, and. Uh, I'm profoundly not at a place right now in my life where I can spare the kind of time that I want to dedicate it, dedicate uh, to it. So I'm probably going to wait a month or so, and that'll give them time to realize whatever capacity the issues they, they have, they have yeah. or balancing they need to do. They at least give the initial pass of patches and bug fixes that only the weight of the real consumer base landing on the face of the servers can reveal to them. Yeah, though I mean, this open beta is on all three of their platforms. No, so it's, it, it's, they, they seem to be doing it right. Where yeah. they've done a, a pretty heavy closed beta with lots of participants, mm-hmm. and now they're doing open beta to say, okay, how is this going to annihilate our servers today? Right. Um, well, and they pulled back from doing. They uh, are holding off on their competitive mode, right? Uh, for like esports competitive as well. So. Mm-hmm. Which I think makes sense. Uh, you know, you got to get a balance going. Well, get a balance first. and also get a yeah. player base developed. Right. right. One of the things that really annoyed me about the betas they did early on, mm-hmm. and this is just the internet, I know, but it's, I still feel the need to, to, to bitch about it, <laughs> is I'm in, I'm in a beta for a game that's been out for less than 30 days. Right. And my second game, I'm getting flamed in team chat for L2 Learn to Play. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Jesus. It was was surreal. It's like, are you really chewing me out for not playing right in a game that you could at maximum have been playing for three weeks longer than me if you got in day one, minute one, and never stopped playing. Yeah. The attitude and the entitlement of people 
their willingness to bitch you out for the slightest perceived infraction, that keeps me away from online play, which is a sad statement about... And it's, and it's the Gabriel Greater Internet Dickwad Theorem brought to life, where you have normal person plus internet plus anonymity equals complete asshat. Yeah. Well, I, and that's it's what drives me. If I'm going to play something competitive against people, right. I have no desire to play it on my computer anymore. Right. I'd rather, because on the console, the worst they can do is say hello to me, yes. or they can hello. say thank you, hello. or they can tell me about well their uh, ultimate, and they can do some emotes. Yeah. So it's like, okay, whatever. <laughs> I'm thinking I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be, for Overwatch, I may go out and get that new 399.99 Xbox. Yeah, it's, well, they got a lot of crazy deals right now on Xbox. You can get like five games with it or whatever. Um but yeah, no. I so I downloaded the beta on the Xbox One. And that's where I've tinked around with it, and I've just been playing against you know grouping up with other people to fight the AI, and it's been decent enough of a challenge to make me go, okay, this is pretty fun. So well, we'll see. I mean, June I believe is its release, so uh, yeah, that's probably one I'll pick up here at some point. Yeah, I'm, it, I, I'm, I'm just it's a delaying action only. I will be playing Overwatch, and I will be playing it heavily. Right. Um, I'll just be turning off chat and just ignoring the world, just yeah. playing playing the game I want to play. Right. Um, exactly. Another tangent, technology-wise. Sure. Um, and another one I'm kind of just waiting for the right time, budget-wise, to purchase. Um, I'm a, a cord cutter, so I did away with cable TV about two years ago. We and, are cord cutters. Okay, you may be interested in this. Okay. I was an early adopter of the TiVo when it was brand new, when it was right. actually when it was competing with Replay TV, if you can cast your mind back to the late 90s, and you had your choice of Replay TV or TiVo. And I had to abandon it when I went for the over-the-air antenna just because I couldn't justify the 20 bucks a month they wanted from me for their service, which is basically just the TV guide service. Right. And so I have, sitting in my garage, four generations of TiVo device. I had wow. done DirecTV TiVos, Multi-Tuner TiVos, HD TiVo, TiVo Premiere, and then just cut the cord and, and didn't do the DVR. I've been doing pretty much straight um, on-demand services since then. So I have the Apple TV, Roku, PlayStation 3, and they satisfy, they scratch most of the itches. But I've really, I really, I miss the TiVo interface. Their interface was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, their ability to do over-the-air recording in HD was great. But I just, the whole point of cord cutting was to reduce the monthly Cost. output yeah. of money. And 20 bucks is a significant chunk of that when you're looking at you know, six ninety nine or eight ninety nine for something like Hulu sure. versus 20 bucks a month. It's like, uh, yeah, it, it adds back up pretty fast if you subscribe to a lot of services. On Monday, TiVo released their new TiVo Romeo OTA one gigabyte. Okay, four hundred bucks for a one gig, excuse me, one terabyte uh, drive. Over the air, four. You remember it's four or six tuners um, designed to plug into regular over the air HD antenna, mm-hmm. and they have their one pass system where. You tell me. You tell. I want this program, 
And you also tell it I subscribe to Amazon Prime, Hulu, Netflix, and Vudu. Right. It finds that show on all of those services and drops all those results into your now playing list. Okay. So and it's what Apple TV's kind of thing it, was supposed it's platform, to be. It's platform agnostic. It's, it's right, Fire, right. Fire TV is the closest one that comes to it. Well, Just, Apple TV, when they demoed it, they said, this is what we're going for, but I don't know if they've got It hasn't come to fruition yet. yet. Yeah, yeah. This is the, and the most important thing, no monthly service charge. Oh, good. So you buy it, you give them 400 bucks, and you're done, and you continue to get the TV guide from them over the internet. And so you get your over-the-air recording integrated with all your streaming services, and I get my TiVo interface back. Right. And it's a modern machine, because my TiVo Premiere technically had Netflix and Hulu and Amazon support, but the processor was so slow, and mm-hmm. the interface design was such ass that yeah. it might as well not have had those services. And they had not integrated it into the single, now-playing, one-stop shop of, here are all your shows in a single interface. Which is what Apple TV comes close to being, but with the major lacking of things like Vudu and Amazon. This is basically everything except iTunes in one package. So I am salivating. And unfortunately, it looks like it's available only direct purchase from TiVo or from Best Buy. Uh, one of my least favorite retailers remaining standing, and none of them are, are uh, stocking it locally yet. I want to get it from a brick and mortar with a decent return policy, just in case it's not quite as it looks on paper. Right. Where I can just return it for a refund if I need to and not have to worry about shipping it or paying FedEx or whatever. Um, the yeah, Dr. Payne in the IRC. Um, this is. I'm really hoping this is what it looks like on paper. I cannot recommend the TiVo interface enough. Their interface design is light years ahead of any other DVR. And if they if it integrates all these services into one the way they claim it does, this is the dream cord cutter device I have been waiting for. So hopefully in a week or two I'll be able to report back to you with my experiences once I can lay hands on this baby. Um, but I've just I've been waiting the longest time for the TiVo with no recurring fee, and they are serving it up just as they sold out to another company. So I'm hoping that the new owners don't come in and crush this for some reason. So I'm trying to sneak in there and get one while the getting is good uh, before they vanish off the face of it because it seems almost too good to be true. Right. Um, we'll see. So tangent uh, concluded there. On to our normal what the heck we're talking about this week. So from the um, uh, fascinating, but I didn't expect this to be coming department. Um, So Blues Brothers, Mm -hmm. much beloved um, adaptation of a Saturday Night Live sketch into a full movie has to date uh, one of the very best ever uh, car crash sequences ever filmed. Oh, yeah. Involving, you know, this is way before CG or any of those kinds of effects. Just practically done a ridiculous number of Chicago PD cop cars 
yeah. crashing into a big old pile. Um, Blues Brothers 2000, we will not speak of here. No. Speak not the name of the evil one. Yeah. I mean, interesting soundtrack. That's about it. Yeah. And, and one of the beautiful things about Blues Brothers was it was it was a music video based movie before there were music videos. Right. Um, and it was it was classic blues and jazz from you know the generation before ours, but good music is good music no matter how you come upon it. Right. And there's you know great dance sequences and it was just it just scratches a ton of itches and it was just a ton of fun. So now we get news from uh, Deadline Hollywood that the Blues Brothers animated series yeah. is being developed by Bento Box with the cooperation of Dan Aykroyd. And all I can yeah. think is, why? Uh, yeah, all I can think of is, like, Dan needs some money, apparently. I guess. Because that's what this feels like, and maybe so does uh, Belushi's widow. Yeah, Judy Belushi is, is part of the part of the deal. Because uh, I, I mean, yeah, you're number one. When John Belushi passed away, you kind of lost half the Blue Bro- Blues Brothers. Not, not kind of. You definitely lost. Yeah, well, John I mean, Goodman was not could, a replacement. You could, you could make an argument that they could have tried it with Jim Belushi, but. Uh, it's still it it just it, it it doesn't fit on so many levels. Yeah. Number one, yeah, like we just said, you're missing half the Blues Brothers. Yeah. Number two, anybody watching this, I would think most of your demographic for an animated adult uh, TV show is going to look at it like you know something in the time slot around the the Simpsons. And most of these folks are going to like I don't even know what this is. Yeah. <laughs> So I guess I'll have to wait and see. I mean, I'm I'm busily I'm over here watching um, Rick and Morty. Yeah, I gotta really start watching that at some point. You, yes, you do. Yep. You infected me with Archer. I'm yep. going to infect you with Rick and Morty. Yeah, no, I've had many many people tell me like, oh, it's so good. You really gotta, you know, catch up on it. So I I just have to spend some time. With I, it. I got a random I, text from my brother that just said. Archer is so funny. I said, oh, how how many seasons in are you? Uh, season one, episode one. It's like, oh, oh, you haven't even begun to scratch no. the surface. You haven't, haven't even met Barry and other Barry yet. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's such a wealth of, of content ahead of you. Um, yes. Yeah. And, and the new season, holy crap. You wouldn't think that a, a show like this could reinvent itself you know, three times effectively in its existence, and yet here they are, yeah. new setting, new rules, and still banging on all cylinders. Yep. And Patton Oswalt, great addition to the show. Yeah. Um, well, very sad, sad news about his wife passing away unexpectedly. Um, oh, I didn't hear that. She just went to sleep one night and didn't wake up, and she's, a, wow. she's our age. She was 46. Um, Yikes. Yeah, that was, and that was... That was terrible. So, uh, happy thoughts to funny man Pat Oswalt. He was unbelievably awesome and funny when he was the, he was the stand-up routine at BlizzCon three BlizzCons ago. Um, played well to a room of, of uh, sweaty nerds, and you know, just just hmm. sad news. Sorry to hear it, and hope here's hoping you get past it as well as can be as can be hoped for. 
Um, yeah, that's uh, but, but Blues Brothers. Uh, okay, Not, clear, nothing I nothing I ever in a million years expected to see revived no. as an animated series. Right. But hey, I'm I'm not a Hollywood insider. Yeah, exactly. Those other things. Uh, oh well. Yep. Time time will tell. It, it could be the next big thing. Who knows? I've I've been it wrong. It could be, but I it's con dubious. <laughs> Cons dubious. Yeah. Hearing your EverQuest uh, references right. brings me brings me warmth inside. Uh, so an interesting trend we're seeing uh, in the nerd the nerdiverse Sh- uh, content providers leaving Comic Con. Uh, so it's Comic Con yeah. International, uh, generally referred to as San Diego Comic Con, and Fox Studios being the latest in a string of uh, content providers saying, "Yeah, we're we're not going to do the the Comic Con thing anymore." And the the reasons that they cite just make me go, what? Because they're saying, well, we're concerned about the security of the exclusive previews we give at Comic-Con. Right. You mean the viral free advertising that burns across the internet like a wildfire that you could pay enough money to ever replicate? Yeah. What? I know. That's really strange. Number one, why are you trying to control information this far into the 21st century? Once you put something out there, assume it's going to show up on the internet. Why are you even... Why, why did you think that that was a thing that you could say, oh, we'll show it in Hall H at Comic-Con International and... It'll just be for the people at Comic-Con International. Yeah. What flavor of crack are you smoking? I'm guessing that's their public reason, but private reason I would think is probably something different. What would that be? Uh, It may be that they don't feel that the cost is worth it. I guess. Um you know, or it may be it may be partially due to that, but maybe they're just thinking like, "Look, we, you're kind of rolling the dice when you're doing these public presentations that you could get a bad backlash, uh, a la like the first shots of X Men Apocalypse. That, those sucked. were not not taken. Yeah, they were definitely not taken well. So I think they're. Uh, I think a lot of movie studios are probably starting to go, you know, the the benefit is not quite equaling the uh, risk here. So mm-hmm. let's just stop doing this. And I don't know, you get the, the feeling that some of these act. I wonder if they're having trouble now getting the actors to also be willing to sit up there and take the questions from the, the sweaty folks in the hall. Yeah. <laughs> This is indeed what we find. Because I know that's what we saw with uh, the Batman v Superman. Like, Jesse Eisenberg really had no interest in talking to fans. Right. (laughs) So, and maybe it's just a culmination. And maybe they're just thinking, like, look, our movie industry now around superheroes isn't this niche thing where we have to court the comic book fans anymore. We're already mainstream. We just don't need to do this. Mm -hmm. So... 
Yeah, that's and that's I'm okay with. I mean, I'm I'm happy to see Comic Con become more about comics again. Right, I'm all right with that. It's just there's this weird transition of of becoming morphing this other thing and then morphing back again. It's like, well, okay, whatever works. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's 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 a funny old life. Yep. So as a surprise to probably nobody no. who watched Daredevil Season 2 on Netflix, the Punisher uh, spinoff series has been ordered by Netflix, starring, yeah. uh, I've got, I'm blanking on the actor's name. John uh, Bethnal. John Bethnal, thank you. Um, Berthnal. Barenthal? Barenthal? Yeah, maybe it's Barenthal. Uh, or Bernthal? <laughs> I don't know. Dude, what, ocu- so. dude, dude what occupied the... Uh... You've heard of a pack of wolves. The pride of lions. The murder of crows. Ah, there we go. I was like, wow, I, I thought that was on my screen. No, that was just <laughs> me going to the page in the stupid, stupid Dodge Charger yeah. thing. So let me see if I can transition. So apparently when I've been transitioning to the... Um, web pages. We've been losing audio because I'm dumb. So <laughs> let me awesome. fade over to that and check test. Yeah, give. Yeah, hey, now we can have audio and the web page. Cool. Because I can learn. I can be taught. Nice. Um. So the freestanding Punisher series uh, is going to become a thing in the future on Netflix. Which, if they didn't do this, they clearly were not paying attention to their target demographic. Because, damn, I, I was really afraid that the Punisher portion of the Daredevil Season 2 was, was going to suck. Mm. Just because I, I had memories of Dolph yeah. dancing in my head. And just the, the horrible adaptations they had done of Punisher in the past... And it felt like they were they were going for character bloat, and I'm I was so wrong because the character so f- fit beautifully and was a centerpiece without taking over right the plot. There was still you know the two or so episodes where we got our nice little look in on Kingpin to say, "Don't forget this guy is here and he is completely a threat." And Matt has totally underestimated him, and holy shit, what is he going to do next season when he gets out? Yeah. Inevitably. Yeah. Um, and you know, they made Punisher a very clear part of what was advancing the plot, but didn't make it. Daredevil Season 2, actually, you know, the, the backdoor pilot for Punisher, and it's all about the Punisher and Daredevil shows up occasionally, it was, no, it was Daredevil Season 2 with really good plot involving the Punisher that makes you want to see more of him, and now they're giving us his own, ser- his own series. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was as artfully done as Luke Cage being in Jessica Jones. Right. Uh, it, you know, I definitely didn't feel like he took over the show in no. any way. He advanced that I, show beautifully, But I, I was, I'm now very much looking forward to his show. Yes. So... They did the, a similar thing with Punisher, except, of course, in the Punisher's case, there wasn't already an announcement that there was a show coming. Right. So but this is uh, clearly a, hey, people really dug that, and yeah. we, we need to give him his own show. Cause, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you do. Because, because <laughs> Punisher. 
Yeah. Like, I mean, wow. He, his scenes, especially towards the end of, of season two of Daredevil, yeah. were like really intense. Like, that's that's a, a lot of intensity for 12 episodes. <laughs> and I, I totally did not see, and spoiler alert, mm-hmm. um, did not see the tie-in with the blacksmith being a direct through line to Frank. Right. Um, that, that completely caught me off Gordon. I love, I love Gord. Gord. Oh my Gord. Irma Gord. What's in this <laughs> can of crush here? Um, totally caught off guard by that. And I love being caught off guard by stuff like that, which is hard to do in this age of spoilers yeah. and dissection of shows before they get to air by the internet. Um, so that, that, that to me is just a wonderful thing when they can say, Hey, boom, you didn't see this coming at all. Even if you were reading the, the plot spoilers on the internet. Oh um, yeah. No. And I mean, I, uh, I think they did a good job not only of that sp- type of spoiling, but they also really like, I was, I was pretty enthusiastic for the Punisher because I really do like John Barenthal. Barenthal. <laughs> Barenthal. But, uh, I so I thought he would do a good job, but man, they went like really intense, and that the scene with him in the diner at the towards the later oh, yeah. part of the series was just like vicious, brutal, and uh, it, for a Marvel property, it's it caught me a little off guard. With they were willing to really say, okay, yeah, Punishers are R rated superhero, yeah. <laughs> so bring it. On. I'll, uh, yeah. I'm really looking forward to the defenders at this point. Oh yeah, oh yeah. All right, moving on to where I lost my tab. Ah, so more general science fact rather than science fiction. Mm-hmm. So that crazy guy Elon Musk, named after the musk ox. Or the right. musk rat. I don't, I don't know. Musk oil. Musky. Musky. Um, his, his little little industry set up here, uh, SpaceX. Yeah. Uh, busily ferrying supplies to the International Space Station and landing the freaking first stage of their rockets on a robotic barge. Right. For reuse. Because they can. Um, they want to go to Mars. Yeah. Because they can. So the announcement this week was they plan to take one of their dragon capsules and throw it at Mars by 2018, a mere two years hence, just to show up everyone else and say, hey, all you people saying Mars is out of our reach, um... We just put a capsule that could totally have carried six people on Mars, and we didn't even break a sweat. So what's the delay here, people? Um, this get is, your ass to Mars. Get your ass to Mars. <laughs> get your ass to Mars. <laughs> get your ass to Mars. Um, this is what I was hoping for from the emergence of the private space sector. Right. Uh, the Blue Origins and SpaceX's of the world. The, oh yeah, we can do it slimmer and faster and better with less waste than you, government organization. And potentially we could, you know, build the next economy while we're at it. 
Right. But mostly we're going to do it right now because it's cool and we can. Ha ha. Yeah. Um, so the Falcon uh, lift engine combined with the Dragon capsule. I saw a really cool uh, one of those you know lists, you know clickbaity lists you get on the internet of the evolution of spacecraft cockpits, mm-hmm. and it was a really thorough. From the you know Yuri Gagarin forward of manned space capsules, right, all the way up through the Dragon capsule and Spaceship One as the most modern versions, and the switch from the ten thousand analog switches design of the Apollo capsule, right, through to the all glass touchscreen, you know, I I spacecraft interface of yeah. the dragon caps like we've come a long way baby a long way and i mean the you know so much of the design is based on weight yeah so getting rid of all that going to a touch screen is huge uh savings and just even even the redesigns of the space shuttle from the all analog to the at least partially electronic glass cockpit in the later mm-hmm. revisions of the space shuttle, um, just it's fun a, a fun nerd tour of spacecraft. But I'm just I'm I'm in major cheerleader mode for SpaceX of yes yes get to Mars show that a manned mission is completely possible and attainable right now with the technology we already have. Yeah. Pay no attention to that whole, you know, Martian movie thing. That that, 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 that could happen, but yeah. um that was a pretty pretty good accurate, you know. It was the, you know, fairly hard like science. It. Yeah. It it falls down when he was farming in in the unprocessed Martian soil. Sure. Um cuz Merely adding water to that is not enough. Well, he added poop. Too. He added poop too. Yes, but yeah. that, that was the the one you know deconstruction yeah. of uh, the Martian that I saw was the guy saying, "Yeah, there's all kinds of um, right. phenols and stuff in the in that soil yeah. that would make it toxic to Terran yeah. plants." But other than that, no, it was overall it was, it was, it was great. Pretty. I loved. It. I've watched. I've watched that one to death because it's just oh, tons, yeah. tons of fun. Great. I'm going to science the shit out. Of this. I'm going to science the. I'm a botanist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that was just a great movie. Yeah. Um, but go Elon, go Elon, yeah. go Dragon, go Dragon. Very cool. Very um, cool. I hope that, to see them actually pull it off within the next two, three years. Um, right. All right, moving on. Uh, we had talked about Hulu in passing earlier when we were talking about the TiVo yeah. device. They're kind of coming. Full circle. You got to realize that Hulu is a conglomeration owned by companies like NBC Universal. Right. Um, so they're looking at adding basically live television right. to Hulu, where it becomes a, a true replacement for cable TV. Where it will give you the live feed and the on-demand all in one interface for not all networks, but a decent chunk of right. terrestrial broadcast and cable TV networks. Because you remember, you 
step back and look at NBC Universal, they own things like the Sci Fi Channel. Sure. Um, so it's not just NBC's you know antenna based broadcasting. They own a lot of cable networks as well that will get rolled into this this offer. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, Hulu, the article mentions, is owned by 21st Century Fox, Disney, and NBC. Right. And so it, and that's so, a pretty big spectrum. Just well, you look at you look companies. at Disney, ABC, and ESPN right. is in that mix. Yeah, exactly. So your whole sports thing, which is one of the sports. big the big arguments, sports, 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 the big arguments for still having cable television. Well, I need my insert sport team here, and if they can start offering that as part of your on-demand service, and right. offer the live feeds, so you can watch the game as it happens. Yeah, that's a huge leap forward for this kind of offering. Oh yeah, for and sure. they can offer it on the whole breadth of devices that we've become spoiled on. So if you've got just your phone and you want to watch the game and you have Hulu with this kind of a package, great! I can watch the game live as it happens and not wait for the on-demand when the the score is already known and you know the excitement is gone. Um, so I can have it on my tablet, I can have it on my computer, I can have it on my phone, and I can have it on my TV. Hey, that thing we've been asking for all this time, I want to watch it on where I want, when I want, on the device I want. Ta-da! They're yeah. finally getting around to serving that up to us. But I also, And I only want specific pieces of that. I don't yes. want to pay to have 300 channels that I don't watch when I'm only interested in five. Well, here is here herein lies the rub, because they're looking at something like a... $40 a month charge yeah. for this. We're getting right back into cable TV That's bundle cable territory. At that point. Yeah. Right. It's so, not, for me, it's not worth it because I have other means to get to everything that they're offering. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I mean, it's good to see that it's another company. The, the big difference is, is that they would be a company then that would be in competition with the cable companies right. in their markets, which right now we have very little of that. Yeah. So competition is, is good. Yeah. It is, it is almost uniformly beneficial to the consumer. They're weirdly competing with themselves in this in case. In a sense, yeah. Because you know, they are on the cable company's list, and they're getting paid from the cable company when people subscribe to them. So I guess it makes sense that they would want to also be paid when people cord cut and move away from cable right. to their very own service, and they get paid anyway. Yeah. So, okay, I get it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still frustrated by the... I'm really excited about this new TiVo, but it's, the, it's still the almost perfect. Because I have to invest pretty significantly to get everything I want out of this deal, because you have to get the TiVo itself... And then there's an additional TiVo device if you want to sling it to all your mobile devices. Right. But again, that's a one-time investment for me to have 99% of my services. The only service I can't get is iTunes-based stuff. Oh, hey, I'm going to be watching this stuff via the app on my iPad anyway, so it's still a single device that gets me to all my libraries. Right, exactly. So it's pretty darn close to the perfect solution. And if, and if the offering from Hulu becomes more robust, I'm totally not interested in paying them 40 bucks a month. But they have, they have me a $20 a month package that 
significantly increased penetration on the number of things I could get on demand or real time, I would totally consider that. Um, I'm just I'm happy to see movement in this area at all. Right, uh, they're they're trying to innovate. They're trying to give us what we want for a, yeah. hopefully for a fair price. That that's really the only question mark is is it a price we'll be willing to pay that won't get us right back into the territory of hey I'm laying out hundred and sixty dollars a month to get all my entertainment isn't that what I cut the cord to get the hell away from I don't want to end up back there I want to, I want to pay what I'm willing to pay for the entertainment that they're willing to provide and I know you're listening so give me what I want damn it right <laughs> this is in fact all about me that's right okay so the shows that we normally track on this uh, podcast, Arrow and Flash, had a weird week off there. Yeah. Where they just took a week off, didn't show any new episodes. They had the weird crossover with Flash where you could get your Flash fix over on CBS with the Supergirl crossover. And so we're, we're still in the uh, Gilligan period for the most recent episodes. So I thought we would get caught up on Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., yeah, which I know er- earliest development you you profoundly did not like. Oh yeah, it was really painful to get through the. First I I cut seasons. it more slack, but in hindsight, yeah, that first season was was at mostly ass. Oh yeah. Um, season two, fifty fifty mix of ass yeah. and okay, I'm seeing potential here. Yeah, it was one of those that, like it's that was the one where like it started off the first episode or two you were like oh wow absorbing, hey man, okay the things yeah. are going good and then it's like they just dropped it and they kind of went back to suck and then much like the first season they started picking it up late again and it got decent uh, and then the last season was good mm-hmm. with uh, uh, the Inhumans being really heavily introduced and. Uh, he had a lot of Kyle McLaughlin, so that's always a good thing, too. Yeah, he did kind of rock that that bizarre, so, bizarre yeah. role that they gave him. Yeah, so that was nice. And then this season's been really good. Um, I think they finally feel like they've laid enough groundwork that they don't need to go back to, you know, Monster of the Week stuff. They can stick within their... Monster this, of the Season. Yeah, they have this massive story arc going now, and uh, it's... It's nice to see them just be able to build on that, build on the the characters that they have. Um, they've managed to make Daisy, uh, Sky, who became Daisy, less uh, of a liability. Like yeah. she's actually a functional member of the team now, and you know it seems like a a, a, a good addition. I you know May is obviously great. Uh, Mac is incredibly great. Uh, so really, I like their whole team. Lincoln gets on my nerves. But yeah, I'm kind of like it's it's before half the team got on my nerves, so I'm I'm okay with only one person. L- Lincoln on my is nerves. the new Sky. Yeah, pretty much, and he's pretty bad. Yeah, he's, and so, he's, he's profoundly not improving. Annoying. Yet. He's I'm, just really annoying. Yeah. So, but no, I mean, other than that, it's been a really, and even when they do a Inhuman of the Week type thing, it has a big, t- a, a nice tie-in to their overarching story they're telling. Well, and they, they've leveraged the whole anyone could be a latent Inhuman thing. Right. Which is what they led this season with, which is, hey, 
the Terrigen has gotten into the food supply, so yeah. people are going to be turning left, right, and center. And then they ambushed us with Andrew being, and spoiler alert for earlier in the season here, Yes, Andrew was in fact Lash, and the whole you know, significant other of, of team member, and profoundly not a happy ending to that, and... Yeah. You know, really getting in there and saying, hey, we're going to screw with your whole world here. But more importantly for me, and I think for you as well, they took Captain Cardboard and turned him into an interesting character. Now, they had to murder him to do it. Well, I thought he was interesting last season when he was fully in his rogue right. agent mode. Like, I thought that was good. It was, and that was certainly better. Him. And I was like, okay, they got rid of him. That's too bad. And then they br- figured out a way to bring him back as their big bad, uh, as Hive. And, yeah, he's been, you know, kudos to the actor because he's the same guy, but you definitely feel like it's a different person. Yeah. So He's doing the I have many identities within me thing without right. being crazy over the top. Yeah, no. Um, well, I mean, the, the good... The good thing that they set up with him also was that his whole backstory is that he was supposed to be the general of the Inhumans. He was was created to be the unifying force. Yeah. And then the Kree changed their mind. Right. And they went, ooh, that didn't work the way we thought We can't quite control that, so we'll at least banish him to a place where he can't come back from. Right, right. But, and so his whole mindset and I think his whole outlook has been interesting because that's kind of the way he's like i'm you know that's which has been nice because he's not been in it as much there's been a few times where you're like wow i you know you'd think he'd be there a little bit more but he's not the grunt he's not the one who's going out to to fight even though he's more than capable of pretty much murdering everybody uh he uh you know definitely is more of a i'm going to stay behind the scenes and just maneuver things to mm-hmm. to add an advantage. The um I like you know the the active interweaving of the Kree. Yeah. So which is you know we've we've seen them mainly in Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. So this but this is a nice clear tie into hey one big happy Marvel universe. Oh yeah. And we had we had the dead Kree that we were getting blood from to, to revive people earlier in this in the series. And now we've got we've had one episode, the episode with Sif where we had the um, yeah. one Kree agent hanging out and now we're looking at hey, we're going to be doing this. You know, we expect to see blue people soon. Yeah. Kind yeah. of thing cuz you know they they thought they had dealt with Hive and will likely be back to try and clean up their mess later. Right. Um, but intermixed with all this, they are doing the, the, you know, the many character ensemble show thing better than they ever have before, I think. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Um, Fitzsimmons, finally some movement there. Yeah. And... You know, they they left us wanting just long enough to say, okay, hey, I'm kind of emotionally rejoicing that they're they're able to move forward with their relationship, with nobody you know betraying anyone. It's like, hey, you know, you you fell in love with this guy. You you now know he is clearly dead, not coming yeah. back, even though you can creepily talk to him through the brain of Hive, right. um, and so that that frees you up to move your relationship with Fitz forward. 
Um, Fitz is you know mostly recovered from his injuries. So, but it was a nice, long, slow burn. They paid their dues, and the, and the payoff is that much more gratifying because they've earned it. Um, it wasn't just you know. Okay, now they're clearly uh, going to be lovers from now on, and we'll do some some tropey lovers fight things. No, no, this is how people really fall into relationships. It is awkward. It has false starts. It has people making dumb decisions and resisting what is the best thing for them. It just it, it very well, believably put together right. relationship that I'm totally shipping for and totally cheering for. Um, yeah, they did well. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm digging that. I had found them annoying in their earlier incarnations. Sure. But they dealt with that pretty quickly because after the first scene, it's like, okay, now we're going to brain damage fits. Yeah. That that helped things like, a lot. Like, wow. <laughs> but also showed them, we're willing to do this. Right, right. And then they'd since said, and we're going to have Coulson straight up revenge murder somebody. Mm-hmm. And now he's dealing with the fallout from that. You see, a lot, a lot of his screen time lately has been him mulling over, holy crap, I did that. Yeah. What does that say about me? And you know, he's grown a great deal as a person on the screen because, like, I, wow, I'm, I'm not superhuman. I'm not, I'm not Mr. Perfect Agent. I totally gave in to, I, I became emotionally involved with a woman and because of that, when she was taken from me, I went off the reservation and just right. killed and killed and killed until I got the guy who did it and exacted my revenge. And now I know I can do that. Yeah. It's like, okay, this is interesting storytelling and believable. And, and I will tune in next week to see where this goes. Yep. Um, strangely, <laughs> most interestingly... Um, we had revealed in the mo- uh, you know the, the episode two weeks ago, uh, which was Paradise Lost. We had a nice right. little flashback to who we thought was going to be our big bag before our big bad before the arrival of Hive, uh, which was Malik, uh, played wonderfully um, by the actor. Um, nice flashback to his earlier days when you know, he and his brothers, his brother, were, were being indoctrinated into. The rituals and um, you know things that 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 Hydra was doing to continue itself and send offerings slash envoys to the other world through the portal to try and bring back right you know their their god um, and you see him basically screwing over his younger brother um, on no uncertain terms yeah. Um, to preserve his life and his position with, with Hydra here on Earth. Um, not understanding that when they did finally free their godhead, it would come complete with the memories of said brother. Right. Who was consumed by him. Yeah. And not be too thrilled with Not the thrilled whole, and uh, totally yeah. willing to get revenge for one of his, per- his, his prior hosts. Right. Um, which is, it, it was a mechanism to let us know that Ward in his entirety is totally in there, mm-hmm. um, and we will we will be seeing him again almost certainly. Sure, 
and he will be he will be motivated by revenge against Coulson at some point because this is this was this whole story was to say, you know, the ledger of every person that Hive has inhabited can be balanced at any point where he has the opportunity. Right. So he had the opportunity to balance the scales with Malik, totally took it, savaged Malik in, in an extremely painful way, so that the media says, okay, when do we get to see him do that to Coulson? Or attempt to do that to Coulson? Because that's what this was all about. Is, okay, Ward's in there waiting for his chance to say, okay, you killed me, I'm going to, to hurt you back. Right. And we also showed that he comes at it sideways, saying, I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to kill those you care about and right, watch exactly. watch you suffer. Yep. Um, it's like, oh, good villain, good yeah. villain, excellent. Bring me more like this. Um, so, that yeah, that was the, the two weeks ago episode was Paradise Lost. Right. And the the big reveal in that episode was... They had the team. The episode before that was the team where Sky, excuse me, where Daisy got to go gather her and humans to go save the day. Yeah, and free her friends. So we had Yo-Yo and Metal Melting Dude, Lincoln and Daisy going in and rescuing the captured rest of the team, basically. Right. And this episode was all about, we strongly suspect, because Malik has turned up dead, uh, killed by a splinter grenade, that one of them has been inhabited by Hive and has been right. made part of their Borg collective. Let's, let's call it Borg or Borg, shall we? Um, and through the activities of the episode, we realized, oh, shit, it was Daisy all along. Right, right. That, that was the... The most the the team episode, right? Uh, yeah. So basically, yeah, they, they did a good job of knowing that one of the four of them was infected, and everybody, of course, doing something that looks suspicious uh, and kept you guessing, uh, and then eventually started pointing more and more towards Lincoln being the one that was possessed, uh, but with it switching around to, to Daisy. But Turns also, out she was manipulating everybody to say, hey, look, it's Lincoln, though, and it was me the yeah. whole time. And really, and I don't think possess is the right word. It's more like, he, as the way they've described it is basically they give, he provides like a rush of endorphins to whomever. It's, it's a parasite yeah. that occupies their brain and say, and gives them all the happy feelings. Yeah, happy, happy feelings, as long as they're doing you know what... Uh, he wants them to do right, but they also they they do a good job of just showing the instantaneous nature of it. Oh yeah, and it's total conversion. Yep, where basically he does his whole sand fingers thing to Daisy. Right. Two beats later, she's like, "I need to go back to the base because they have something that you need." And, right, and I you know so I'm immediately using all of my memories and faculties in service of you. Yeah. I know what you need, uh, and I, I, I need to go do this for you right now because it's the most important thing, right. and all of the things are forgotten. I am now yeah. part of Hive. Yeah, they're not uh, an autonomous puppet. No. They're, they still have their thoughts, feelings, everything else. They just happen to you know fully love and integrate with Hive. So, 
it's uh it's interesting and they definitely you know as as we get into the future episodes they're uh they play with that and it's a it's an interesting villain yeah so instead of somebody who's just you know turning somebody into a mindless drone it's it's more persuasion than it is domination Mm -hmm. so yeah they they totally retain their individuality they're they're not drones they are themselves they just completely believe in hive and its goals And I'm very curious to see is if they do work out a way to free people from that. What yeah. will they? What will the person that comes out the other end of that be? Right. Um, and if if they do a good job, it'll be a an arc of many episodes of them coming to terms. I mean, one of the things I really loved about the later Star Trek: The Next Generation episodes. Um, so they had the great. Season five opener, Best of Both Worlds Part Two, where Picard is, you know, working for the Borg and is freed from them. And the very next episode, they had an episode that was all about the consequences of that. Right. Which was a very rare thing for Star Trek The Next Generation. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things I hated about that show was the enormous red reset button they pressed at the end of every episode. Right. Nobody's allowed to change. Nobody's allowed to develop. And this was finally where they said, no... This really screwed with Picard. Yeah. And he had a total emotional breakdown with his brother where he owned the fact that I tried to fight them and I wasn't strong enough. And they totally owned me. I'm hoping to see something like that with the outcome of, okay, you've been freed from the parasite. We found a way to kill the fungus in your brain and you're not being taken over anymore. But you remember all of it. And you know what you've done to your friends. Right. And that leaves a mark. Yeah. And, I, and I'm seeing them being willing to do that kind of thing in this show more and more as it's been maturing. Sure. Um, so that, and, and that direction lies some really interesting, emotionally entwined storytelling. And I'm looking forward to it, and I hope they don't screw it up. They don't go for the, the, the cheap laugh or the, or the low-hanging fruit of, and we've freed them and everything is sunshine and kittens and move yeah. on to the next monster of the week and nobody remembers you know, that last right, week right. she was trying I, to kill us. Yeah, I don't see that occurring. I mean, I, I think not. they've done a good job so far of showing that they build off of what has occurred in the past. Um, sometimes they take, you know, season one and two, they took a little too long to do the building. Yeah. <laughs> they, uh, it's they a definitely, learning experience. Yeah, they haven't shied away from uh, using, you know, the actions that people or the choices people make, and then the repercussion from that, uh, both personal, you know, to a, a self-contained individual character, and then obviously if it's something that's, you know, like oh, I accidentally kind of let Hive come back. Yeah. <laughs> so, Coulson. the moral of the story is if you were turned off by the uneven terribleness that was season one of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., find yourself a synopsis on the internet for season one yeah, and start watching with season two. Watch season two and into season three that we're into right now. And I can say with pretty certainty that it's worth it. It's good television storytelling, and it really it fleshes out the Marvel Universe. I'm re- I'm interested to see now that the Inhumans movie is is off the table, where it's it's been shoved off, no longer has a release date and may not come to pass. Um, whether they decide to just keep the Inhumans completely contained within the television universe, 
Right. Um, I know that the you know the reason for the Inhumans getting shoved off the table is they announced the Inhumans and then they got together and negotiated with Sony. And realized, holy crap, we've got Spider-Man back. Yeah. And and Spider-Man: Homecoming is effectively being produced by Disney Marvel. Right. Sony is there funding it and collecting a portion of the revenue, but the creative teams are basically the same teams that have been making the other Marvel movies, which wasn't the 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 outcome I was expecting. You know, I was expecting Sony to say, no, we want to retain creative control. We'll bring some of your team members over to advise us. Right. And in a very uncorporation-like move, they said, no, we see that you're better at handling these properties than we are. Make the movie. Yeah. Make it part of your universe, and we'll just take our cut. We'll just, yeah. We will take money. <laughs> Fox, I'm looking at you. Right. Give them the Fantastic Four. Cut the same deal that Sony did for... You can keep the X-Men. Yeah. You have proven you yourself. Don't know what you're doing with that, though. You have yeah. redeemed yourself with Days of Future Past and Deadpool and yep. First Class. Yep. Stay on that line. I'm a little dubious about Apocalypse. We'll see. Um, but I was dubious about... And I, am, I am often wrong, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been hurt before. Looking at you, X-Men Origins Wolverine. Looking at you, X-Men 3, X-Men United. Um, looking at you, anything Fantastic Four related. Even the stuff I haven't seen. I just, I'm aware that it's out there. It exists and it sucks ass. And right. So... Fox, you know, if, if, if you can sit back and just give creative control of the Fantastic Four back to Marvel and just collect a check every three years, what's wrong with that business model? Right. Sony has seen the light. You should, yep. too. And I know you're listening. So get on that, will you? And bring me Deadpool 2.0 as soon as you freaking can. I've been watching Deadpool to death since it came out on iTunes last week. Because Deadpool, <laughs> yeah. it just it doesn't get old. Nope. Um, the great behind the scenes stuff. Um, this this is one where the story of how it got made is almost as interesting as the movie itself. Um, and it really it, it is a a good case study of how dedicated nerds who who have a love for the source material and just want to honor the original can result in an awesome and profitable movie. So just Hollywood, stop bringing your dramatic reimaginings or your new vision of the character to things. The original vision sold a crap ton of comics for a reason. Yeah. Because it was awesome. Just adapt the best parts of that. Deadpool total case study in how to do all the awesome and cool stuff and even the stuff that they would normally shy away from all the fourth wall breaking all the pissing on their in their own yard of it's almost as if the studio couldn't afford more than two x-men um or this the self-referential stuff of hey we're going to refer to the failed X-Men Origins Wolverine movie and the failed Green Lantern movie and it's going to make the movie more awesome if we can just start, yeah. just get over ourselves. Right. Well, I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that 
Fox really wasn't paying attention to what right. they were doing. This is true. <laughs> so I think I'll, you know, we'll we'll see if Deadpool two can keep that same edge when now that the studio went, whoa, you made us a lot of money. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, thinking there's going to be a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Yeah, for the second so one. we'll 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 see. I mean, I think they're. I think it's a good thing that. Uh, Sony realized that they're stuck in a rut with Spider-Man, um, and I think, yeah, it'd be great if Fox could realize the same thing with Fantastic Four. But then again, I really don't like the Fantastic Four, so I'm okay if they just don't make movies of them anymore as well. That, yeah, that but I've, I've had so many things I didn't care about made into awesome movies that I think there's an awesome Fantastic Four movie in there somewhere. Because I didn't, yeah. I didn't care two craps about Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, yeah, I did. But I didn't. Okay, so Guardians of the Galaxy, I didn't care about at all because I ne- didn't really know anything about it. Right. Um, Fantastic Four, you know, I actively you know about. disliked. <laughs> okay. so, That's different then. Yeah, it's a different different feeling. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think there are some good story arcs. I mean, there was a great story arc in Fantastic Four where they basically... Sue, Ben, and Johnny learned that Reed did it all on purpose. That them going into space and being exposed to the cosmic rays that mutated them was not an accident. Hmm. That he actually crafted the entire mission hoping that that would happen. Hmm. And Ben in particular was a little upset with this revelation i'm sure never mind his wife who was not briefed on any of this um so that was a really good story arc of damn reed you are dark and you're manipulative and you yes you saw these threats to humanity rising and felt that we needed a countermeasure but didn't feel that you needed to ask permission. Right. And with that as your starting point, tell that story. Yeah. That would be a very interesting movie of an origin story. They could encapsulate this within a reboot movie where it's the... We're, we're going to do science, and oh, this terrible thing happened, but look, we've got these interesting powers, and we defeat, you know, we have our, our basic fight with whoever the big bad is, and then we have this revelation of, oh, shit, you did this to us without our permission, on purpose, and stuff, 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 and then have to come back together to beat the bad guy, get over our differences, but maybe not completely, um... You know, there's there's a there's a good story that could be well told in there that is not annoying and not uh, Sue Storm being an emo wench. Uh, is- it's not even Sue that drives. And Reed is the one that drives me up the wall a lot. Um, ben drives me up a little bit just because, and I understand why he's mopey, but it's like twenty four seven mopey is yeah. just no. His whole oh woe is me was was beat to it death in the early incarnations of the comics. After a while. Like I said, maybe they can do something with it. To me, what they should do is just make a movie that's got the Fantastic Four in it, but it's really focused on Doctor Doom, like the real Doctor Doom. Yeah. Like, that would be an okay movie. Victor Von Doom from Latveria. Yeah, like that's... Trying to that's save his mother from hell. Right, right. So, and again... Using I, science! I, 
Yeah, it's. I, I think Marvel could do something interesting. It'd be nice if they had them at least in their back pocket to be able to interject where it makes sense. But uh, I'm okay if they just don't do any more movies. We'll see so. how the Doctor Strange movie at the end of this year turns out because that that could be their gateway into that kind of thing. Possible. They're, they're bringing. They they brought the cosmic in with Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. and Thor. Yep. Now they're bringing the mystic in with Doctor yep. Strange. We'll yep. see how they do. It, it, that's that's a nice segue into Doom and his whole technology meets mysticism backstory. Um, we'll see, but anyway, hours of entertainment and do watch Agents of Shield. Um, yeah, you can skip season one. Go read a summary. Season two, front half, not awesome. Latter half, much better. Season three is why we're recommending it. Yeah. Uh, they really hit their stride and stick with it. There's, there's really a, a very small number of crap episodes in this season. They're, they're not absent. There are some, but it's not a parade of awfulness. It's mostly, oh, that was not a great episode. And then they're back on their game the very next episode. Um, so do it because we say to do it. Right. I don't know. Reasons. Ah, which brings us pretty neatly, I think, to the end. Yeah. Because I'm old and tired and need to go to mm-hmm. bed. You have been listening and watching because we premiered this week on DiamondClub.tv uh, simulcast. Now that we're doing the video thing after was uh, eight. Holy crap, we're coming up in seven years we've been doing this. Yeah. Damn. Uh, but yeah, now since we added video in the last uh, half year or so, we're, we're doing the simulcast thing on Diamond Club. Hello, Diamond Club people. You are awesome. Uh, but listening to and watching Casually Hardcore on AlphaGeekRadio.com, you can find us on the web. Come to AlphaGeekMedia.com. If you do the social media thing, we are on Facebook. Just do a search for Alpha Geek Media or Casually Hardcore. We have pages for each of those. We're on the tweeters. I am on there as Alpha Geek Media. The station is on there as Alpha Geek Radio. Grail is on there as Grail CH. G-R-A-I-L-C-H. No spaces, no underscores, no weirdness, just Grail CH. Mm-hmm. You can send us emails to the show at alphageekradio.com. That is the show at alphageekradio.com. Uh, Reddit. AlphaGeekRadio.reddit.com. Send us links and topics and things you'd like to see covered on the show. Uh, we appreciate all the volunteers and researchers that hang out there. They populate our spreadsheet every week and are awesome. In the meantime, I have been Gnomewise. And I've been Grail. And we're out of here. people.